Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, January 11th, 2023, the 721st day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the social media, the writing, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So let's start out today with a view from inside the machine. I was vaguely aware that the Golden Globes were happening in Hollywood last night, and that was mostly because it was announced that the comedic actor from Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, would be making some sort of speech 
to our society's most prominent propagandists. And then I mostly forgot about it until a friend of mine who is a director texted me to comment on something that was happening in the ceremony, and I had completely forgotten that it was even taking place. Now, the Golden Globes used to be a big event in Hollywood. used to be on a Sunday night. There were all sorts of extravagant parties. It was a perfect time to dress up and see and be seen. And since Hollywood would literally be nothing at this point without politics, of course they decided to infuse politics. This is the comedic actor from Ukraine speaking to people in tuxedos and ball gowns seated around finely adorned tables where their outfits alone are worth more than an entire year's rent in Ukraine. Here's what he said. If the freedom to dream were a spear, I proudly present a human being who tonight represents that spear's most honed tip. Ladies and gentlemen, dear participants of the 80s Golden Globe Award Ceremony. The First World War claimed millions of lives. The Second World War claimed tens of millions of them. There will be no Third World War. It is not a trilogy. Ukraine will stop the Russian aggression on our land. We will make it together with a whole free world. And I hope that all of you will be with us on the victorious day, the day of our victory. Slava Ukraini. Introducing Zelensky, of course, was the renowned idiot and obvious intel asset, Sean Penn. The comedic actor in Ukraine is the most finely honed tip of the finely honed spear. And of course, it was presented with dramatic music. This is for news clips later. They just cut in that beautiful little poetic phrase from Sean Penn and then talk about how great Volodymyr Zelensky is on a little graphic. And then we hear Zelensky's amazing speech. Millions of people lost their lives in the First World War. Tens of millions in the Second World War. There will be no Third World War. It is not a trilogy. You get it? Movie people, entertainment people, you only think in trilogies. So this is not a trilogy. You've got to understand. There will be no World War Three. Russia is just going to give up. They've taken all of Ukraine up to the Dnieper River and very soon may continue on and take the entire country. That's how things seem to be going. And Russia is about to launch an offensive in the next two weeks. That is the word. But to Volodymyr Zelensky, who has now become Ukraine's Baghdad Bob, everything is going just fine. In fact, Everything is going wonderfully. We are going to win this war and we will have a victorious victory day. Now, that's a lie, of course. Ukraine has absolutely no chance to do that. But there's something really subversive in that messaging. The idea that they can still win and don't worry, no matter what, there's not going to be a World War Three. So you can keep funding us and you can keep pretending that there aren't Nazis in Ukraine's army and that the rest of the army isn't foreign mercenaries. You can 
continue pretending it's all the brave Ukrainian people fighting for the sovereignty of their land. And if you just keep funding them, if you just keep sending stuff over to Ukraine, billions and billions and billions of dollars, while you also pretend that if you only had more American taxpayer money, you could fix the problems in our country too. All that is justified. The Nazi thing, the waste of money thing, the Ukrainian corruption thing, the entire lie about the premise of the war and the lie that Ukraine has any chance of winning. All of that is now justified. It's all wiped away because we have a speech from the stage of the Golden Globes by the comedic actor telling everybody how wonderful everything is. And despite the fact that he is the person purportedly leading this Nazi army, he is nonetheless a hero and certainly an expert on what's going on over there. And what kind of reaction did he get? Oh, gratuitous applause, of course. And the people in that audience, they will never, ever come to regret that. They'll just simply pretend they didn't know, as if none of them have heard about Ukraine's little Nazi problem. Of course, they have heard about Ukraine's little Nazi problem. They just pretend it's not real. Same thing with Pfizer's medical experimentation, the entire regime's medical experimentation. Same thing with that whole slave trade on the southern border, too. Same thing with the Reichstag fire they staged on January 6th. And same thing about that illegitimate authoritarian dictator that they have in the office. There is absolutely no comparison. These simply are not Nazis. These are the kind of Nazis you're allowed to deny because the comedic actor himself, we are told, is Jewish. So it simply couldn't be a Nazi army he's leading because there's not a Jewish person in the world that would ever do that. Therefore, the Nazis aren't real, even though they are real and Jewish people do different things based on incentives and moral value judgments and faith or the lack thereof, just like everybody else. But I'm sure Zelensky is still a good guy, and I'm sure all of those Hollywood actors who applauded him without knowing what they're applauding are very, very good people, too. I play this because you gotta know what you're dealing with. Well, here's what else you're dealing with. This is Neil deGrasse Tyson on the PBD podcast. Oh, your own body. Your own body. If you want to get an abortion, get an abortion. If I want to get the vaccine, I get to choose. So you can't force... If, if I can't force you to get an abortion, you shouldn't be able to force because me to get Because it's the... not about you. It's about people you interact with. And that's the social contract of public but we health. Don't, we don't even know if the vaccine worked or not at the time. Yes, that's what the trials are, dude. That's why these trials... What, you... Are you missing data out but, there? But let me ask you a question. Are we saying only one type of scientists are right? No, we're saying that the system in place... The 16,000 oh, that signed that... No, no, no. The, the system in place to test vaccines... Yeah. Th th there's an entire system that's in place. That, that with review boards and all of this, yeah, the average that's in place. Now, you can say, you can ch what you can say is, I, I have a better idea than all these review boards and all these agencies and the CDC. I have a better idea. Here's what you should do. And that would have made everything better. Okay. 
you can put forth that idea. But what I'm saying is, in a case where you can contaminate someone else, it's not about you. It's about the collective You're assuming. health. You're assuming. You're assuming because somebody can take the vaccine, uh, won't get COVID, which, by the way, I don't need to play the clips for you to see it where everybody said, hey, if you get it, you're not going to get If you take the vaccine, you're not going to get a Rachel Maddow, Joe Biden. I can give you Fauci. I can give you fi- – and you've seen these clips before. It's not like you've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah. What happened? They was- were wrong. Hold on. So, so – Um, the strain evolved. The science, ladies and gentlemen, that is the science. Neil deGrasse Tyson would like you to know that the vaccine is safe because there is a system. Dude, dude, there's a system. Do you like not believe uh, data? There's a there's a system. And I mean, what do you have a, a a better idea for the system than pharma companies paying for the FDA and the CDC and then uh, the FDA and the, the CDC? They're supposed to regulate the pharma companies and then they just make decisions even with only partial data. And then later they admit that they didn't have all the data and they're disappointed in the pharma companies for not giving it to them, even though they said it was fine for toddlers. And, uh, you know, well, when people start, you know, dying and like passing out on, uh, sports fields and on newscasts and dying suddenly in their sleep at age 41 and the, the uh, you know the system they pay the media not to tell anybody about it like <laughs> you think that you are going to come up with a better system than what the scientists came up with <laughs> i mean huh, what that's just science man i mean that didn't sound very scientific where was neil degrasse tyson's data Where was Neil deGrasse Tyson's real-world understanding of exactly what each part of the process he just described is? Not that he went very deep on describing the process. He is just making an appeal to authority. The smart people figured out this system. This is the best system we've got. Sure, the system is going to be wrong sometimes. It's going to make errors sometimes. And those errors may down the road kill millions and millions of people and sterilize an entire generation. And our mask policies might have inhibited the uh, social growth of an entire generation of small children who might never know how to adjust to the world. But unless you're going to think up (laughs) a better system than that and then implement it over time, maybe over decades and decades in the face of impossible barriers to entry and blowback. And, uh, you know, well, okay, you're not going to replace the system. So the point is, this is the best system. And hey, if it's not the best, it's still the only system you're going to get. So what you have to do, you are required to do this. You must trust the system. And you got to give us another chance. If you don't give us another chance to kill millions or potentially billions of you, then you're like a QAnon. Now, you might be saying, how can they still be doing this? Knowing that virtually no one believes them anymore, 
How can they still be doing these things? And that might make you feel nervous. It might make you feel anxious, a sense of fear. This is never going to end. But you would be viewing that the wrong way. What you should be thinking is this is the quality of our enemy. And this is how pervasive the brainwashing was. The brainwashing was serious. Okay. It is a decades long military intelligence grade brainwashing doesn't just go away for most people. If you were never walked down that path, good for you. Honestly, I cannot imagine the levels on which you are more mentally and emotionally secure than a vast majority of our population. Congratulations for real. But if not, you know, the brainwashing, you know, the process, you can see now that it is becoming blatantly obvious to everyone. And that's the point. It's going to hit a certain point and then there will be no stopping it. People will just be caught up with reality functioning in the present moment and understanding exactly what's going on rather than living in the past about all of these different issues. Neil deGrasse Tyson is talking like someone from January 2021. He is two years in the past on his understanding of where the vaccine conversation is at right now and what the data actually does show. And he is exposing himself as a paid shill for a regime implementing an agenda for coerced medical experimentation. That's what Neil deGrasse Tyson is doing. And of course, he does the same thing when it comes to climate change. And of course, he does the same thing when it comes to the woke agenda. It's right out in the open. People are beginning to see it. Aren't you glad that the adults are back in the room? Remember that they're getting the smart, responsible people back into the positions they believe they're entitled to, which are the positions that control all of our society, including, of course, the fake president. And we'll get to hear from him in a little bit and see just how much the adults are back in the room. But before that, let's just do a little compare and contrast with the duly elected president, Donald J. Trump, and see who sounds more adult and more, you know, in the room. The now famous Twitter files have proven beyond all doubt that the corrupt officials at the FBI have been coordinating a massive censorship, surveillance and propaganda campaign against the American people and frankly against me. In the most recent and notorious example, the FBI worked to stop the truth from being told about the Biden family's criminality. They worked so hard to stop it from coming out and the corruption prior to the 2020 election. They didn't want any bad information to come out about the Biden family. The fix was in, the election was rigged, but the censorship of the laptop from hell is only the beginning of the story about the weaponization of government against free speech. We must have free speech in our country. We must have a fair and free press. As recent reporting shows, the FBI and other rogue agencies have been systematically colluding with former national security officials placed in high positions at Twitter and very likely other companies to advance their censorship regime, which is really, in this case, 
to steal an election. This anti-American effort, and a very illegal effort at that, has been working to silence dissenting opinions on COVID and crucial issues on public health and on the election and elections in the future. They suppressed doctors and health experts who dared to question approved public health narratives. They censored voices who criticized school closures, lockdowns, and mandates. And they even banned people simply for stating proven scientific facts. And anything bad about China, they didn't want out. But anything bad about Biden and the Biden crime family, and that's what it was, just look at the laptop from hell, they didn't want that coming out under any circumstances. What they wanted coming out was anything bad about your favorite president, me. Anything bad about Trump, put it out, even if it's not true. But this all had nothing to do with science. This had nothing to do with saving lives. It had everything to do with politics or a sick ideology. This was about government working with powerful corporations to seize power over you, the American people. And we can't let that continue. The Twitter files prove that we urgently need my plan to dismantle the illegal censorship regime, a regime like nobody's ever seen in the history of our country, or most other countries for that matter, to prosecute the perpetrators for their crimes and to restore free speech for all Americans, so important. We need a free press. We need free speech. We need fair elections. And we need borders. The new Congress should immediately hold hearings to investigate the role of the FBI and other federal agencies in censoring lawful speech. Congressional leaders should promptly issue subpoenas in furtherance of this goal. The revelations also highlight why my proposal to end the revolving door between the deep state, and there is a deep state indeed, I wasn't a believer, but everybody's a believer right now, and the tech tyrants is so important. There must be a seven-year cooling-off period before any employee of these powerful agencies is allowed to take a job at a major platform. When I'm president, we will take back our freedoms. We will take back our country. When I'm president. He seems to be pretty confident. I think he has good reason to be confident. He also mentioned the weaponization of the U.S. government against the American people. And yesterday, those two committees were voted into existence. We now have the committee investigating the CCP and the committee investigating the weaponization of the U.S. government against the American people. Now, I mentioned yesterday how there had been some discussion and some freak out from the communist side of things about how Kevin McCarthy had given away all the power of the speakership to the MAGA extremist right wing. They claimed that McCarthy's concessions had weakened the office of speaker and that would somehow be to the detriment of the American people. And of course, it would not be. Now, I'm not sure I entirely finished that point on the podcast yesterday. The speaker's office now has an entirely different kind of power. The speaker's office now can't be forced into a uniparty plan the way it has been in the past. The speaker now has the ability to say no to the Senate and no to the executive branch based on the fact that the speaker being able to act depends on those 20 dissenters. And this matters because... For months, or maybe longer than months, probably a year, a year and a half at this point, I've been talking about 
how I was concerned that with stolen elections in the 2022 midterm, they would be able to create this consensus middle of establishment candidates on the Democrat communist side and on the rhino Republican side. I was worried that if we didn't have a MAGA majority in the House, that everything would be business as usual. The corrupt rhino Republicans would join with the corrupt Democrat communists, the Romneys and the Obamis, Republican communists and Obama style centrist Democrat communists, the ones who would always hide their true beliefs. They would always temper them because they don't want to be associated with the fringes on the left. They would say they're just old classical liberals, certainly nothing to worry about as they marched the regime's agenda of global communism ever forward. And I think that's where the motion to vacate comes in, because Kevin McCarthy as speaker is going to need to bring those bills to the floor. And if the dissenters can raise a motion to vacate and then Kevin McCarthy again needs the majority of the House to side with him in order to remain speaker. They can prevent that legislation from going to the floor. It seems if my interpretation is correct, we're going to have to see how this plays out. But I think this is right. But if that's the case, I think we may be in a place where nothing gets through that house without MAGA's say so. So that would be a significant amount of America first power in the house. And it may be a backstop for a lot of the bad stuff the regime had intended over these next two years. Now, back in August, when Mar-a-Lago was raided and documents were seized, and we were told that Trump had violated laws and threatened national security by having classified documents down in Mar-a-Lago, documents that Donald Trump had the sole discretion and power to declassify and did, according to people like Cash Patel and others around him, And in accordance with the Presidential Records Act, my friend Kyle, just human, wrote an article about how the Mar-a-Lago raid set a template for a future event. And this week we have seen that future event. Joe Biden had classified documents of his own that had been moved to what we are told is a closet in the offices of his think tank at University of Pennsylvania. But his documents weren't just classified documents, and Joe Biden, back then as vice president, did not have the power to declassify those documents. Those documents were marked top secret, sensitive, compartmented information. Joe Biden was not supposed to have those documents. Joe Biden, to be honest, wasn't supposed to have that think tank. Joe Biden was listed as a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And of course, he was not a professor at the University of Pennsylvania and through the University of Pennsylvania, China, the Chinese Communist Party filtered fifty four million dollars to Joe Biden's think tank while these documents were there. So let's pick up today in the Hill. The Biden papers and Mar-a-Lago documents, apples and oranges. Are they apples and oranges? Are they totally different situations? 
that lead us to the conclusion that Donald Trump did a very, very, very bad thing and is definitely going to go to jail. And Joe Biden did something that is just a OK. And there's no talk of jail whatsoever allowed unless you want to be kicked out of polite society and called a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I, I bet that's where we're going. CBS broke the bombshell news that President Biden had stored a trove of government documents, including some two dozen classified documents in a private office in Washington that Biden used as part of his think tank relationship with the University of Pennsylvania, where he was an honorary professor from 2017 to 2019. What is an honorary professor? Well, an honorary doctorate from a university just means that they think you're really great. It doesn't mean that they just hired you as a doctor. Honorary professor? Did they think calling Joe a doctor was just too unbelievable? The documents were discovered when the president's personal attorneys were packing files housed in a locked closet to prepare to vacate office space. Richard Sauber special counsel to President Biden said in a statement, adding the president periodically used this space from mid 2017 until the start of the 2020 campaign. On the day of this discovery, November 2nd, 2022, the White House counsel's office notified the National Archives. OK, well, let's unpack this a bit. First off, the framing. Pretty amazing. It's not the president who found them. It's not law enforcement that found them. It's the president's personal attorneys. They were just looking around. They were trying to move some boxes around. They were going to vacate the office. That's all it was. And the closet that these top secret, sensitive, compartmented information classified documents were in. Well, it was locked. So once again, no problem. And sure, Donald Trump's documents at Mar-a-Lago were guarded by the Secret Service and he had declassified them. But you see, Trump is still the bad guy. Joe Biden's the good guy because his closet had a lock on it and his personal attorneys found these documents. And what did they do? They immediately, immediately contacted the White House Counsel's Office and the National Archives. They did exactly what they were supposed to do when they found these documents somewhere between like six and nine years after Joe Biden had taken them out of the White House as vice president, something he was definitely not allowed to do, and he did not have the power to declassify documents. But let's keep going. The lawyers provided the papers to the National Archives the day after they found them, and the archives took possession of the materials. And they didn't tell anybody because the election, the midterm election, was a mere six days later. What are they going to do? Go out and create all these political problems just because the illegitimate president had taken top secret, sensitive, compartmented information to a think tank that was funded by the Chinese Communist Party? The people don't need to know that, especially not in a run up to an election. So we get to find out two months later. Attorney General Merrick Garland has referred the matter to the Trump appointed U.S. attorney in Chicago, John Lausch Jr., who will surely get to the bottom of the matter. That's the Hill saying that. How do they know he's surely going to get to the bottom of the matter? 
While the process is still in a preliminary stage, Lausch has reportedly provided his preliminary findings to Garland. The revelation sparked the inviting comparison between the Mar-a-Lago documents now being investigated by special counsel Jack Smith and the Biden papers. Fox News host Tucker Carlson lost no time slinging the mud, saying Biden was throwing classified documents in a private office at a fake think tank. That's not mudslinging. That is literally the most direct way to say what the actual truth is. That's the truth. Biden was throwing classified documents in a private office at a fake think tank. Every word of that is true. Trump tried to sling some mud of his own, pointing to the funding that his alma mater, the University of Pennsylvania, broadly, not the Biden Center, not the Biden Center, you got to understand, not the Biden Center, has received from China. Now, the article mentions Tucker Carlson. That's not all Tucker said. Let's hear what else Tucker said. What is this Penn Biden Center? The Penn Biden Center. What's the purpose of the Penn Biden Center? Well, in April of 2016, one of Hunter Biden's business associates explained the purpose in an email to Hunter. He said that the Penn Biden Center, quote, operates like the Clinton Global Initiative without the money raise. Oh, so all the upside, none of the downside. Without the money raise, really. So you don't have to fly around the world raising money. But as the Washington Free Beacon has reported, actually there was a lot of money being raised and it was being raised by the University of Pennsylvania and it was being raised from foreign governments after the Biden Center opened. See the connection here? And we're quoting from the piece. Foreign contributions to the University of Pennsylvania tripled since the Penn Biden Center's soft opening in March of 2017, rising from 31 million in 2016 to over 100 million in 2019. Now, where'd all that money come from? Where do you think? The largest foreign contributor was China. And if you go to the webpage for the Penn Biden Center, you get some idea of what that money bought. So on the site, there's a section called, quote, addressing threats to the liberal international order. Russia and Vladimir Putin are mentioned as threats to the liberal international order. But China, which is currently committing genocide, is conspicuously not mentioned as a threat to the liberal international order. So all of this aroused our suspicions naturally. So we decided to get a closer look at the University of Pennsylvania and its ties to China. We took a look at text messages from Hunter Biden's laptop to see if we could find an answer. And we found messages between a senior professor at Penn's International Relations Department to Naomi Biden. That would be Hunter Biden's very young daughter. The message from the professor begins this way, quote, Dear Naomi, I'm writing you tonight to invite you to take part in a major conference in China at the end of March. I've been asked to help recruit a prominent young leader. They, the Chinese government, will fly you business class and, of course, provide all of your accommodations. I don't think it would surprise you that they are interested in you thanks to your family name. I would not take offense at that. It is truly the Chinese way, and frankly, better you than that dolt, Tiffany Trump. If you are interested, can you send me your CV and or a bio? I would forward that, and you could expect an official invitation from Li Baodong, the Secretary General of the Forum. End quote. Pretty remarkable. As far as we know, that has not been previously reported. So here you have an employee of the University of Pennsylvania, an Ivy League school, sending an invitation, apparently on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party, to recruit Joe Biden's granddaughter for an influence operation, saying that she'd be flown to Beijing and stay in Chinese government-controlled accommodations. So a lot of people on television seem very concerned about national security at the moment, 
all these former CIA and NSA and FBI employees are going on CNN and MSNBC to tell you national security implications are first in mind. Are they concerned about this? Will they ask a single question about it? Of course they won't. Nothing to see here, just Tucker Carlson slinging mud. Let's go back to the hill. And remember, they just got finished explaining that the money didn't go to Biden or the Biden Center, just went to the University of Pennsylvania. The Chinese money went to the University of Pennsylvania and it stopped right there. They're probably just building the presidential classroom where Professor Joe Biden will teach America's youth how to handle themselves if they crap their pants with the Pope. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy had this to say. I think it goes to prove what they tried to do to President Trump overplayed their hand on that. Yep, that sounds pretty accurate. Republican James Comer from Kentucky, who chairs the House Oversight Committee, told CNN that he plans to press the National Archives for information about the documents. He said he would send a letter to the archives, which his committee oversees, within 48 hours. President Biden has been very critical of President Trump mistakenly taking classified documents to the residence or wherever. And now it seems he may have done the same, Comer said. How ironic. So now we find out that Biden did the same thing for six years, for six years. And I wonder, is the White House going to be raided today by the National Archives or the FBI? Comer continued. Not so fast, Mr. Comer, says the Hill. Better to withhold judgment. You see, that's just the Hill being objective. Not so fast, Mr. Comer. We're about to spin a narrative that's going to put a stop to all your dastardly plans. The irony is not so clear as Comer suggests. From what is known publicly at this time, the Biden papers stand in sharp contrast in scale and importance to the Mar-a-Lago stash of documents. One is criminal, Trump, and one is not criminal, Biden. You got that? Scale and importance to the Mar-a-Lago stash of documents. Can this Hill reporter tell us what documents were found at Mar-a-Lago? And of course, he can't. So how does he know the scale and importance of the documents at Mar-a-Lago? Does he know what documents were at the Chinese-funded think tank? the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement? And once again, the answer is no. He has no idea about the documents in either case, so he absolutely cannot claim there is a sharp contrast in scale and importance that somehow benefits Joe Biden. Donald Trump didn't have any TSSCI-labeled documents. They were classified, and Donald Trump declassified them. How does this help Joe Biden? Also, one is criminal and one is not. Well, the Presidential Records Act does not have a criminal component. And here's what Donald Trump said in response to all of this on Truth Social this morning. He wrote, Biden's documents are highly confidential. Many pertain to Ukraine, where Hunter was, quote, raking in the dough, end quote, and funded by China, which gave $55 million to Biden through Penn and probably had easy access. Was the old crow's boss, China-loving Coco Chow, involved? Just asking. So there's going to be a Mitch element to this story? 
I bet we're going to hear about a Barack Obama element, too, won't we? Because, of course, Barack Obama was president when these documents were moved and was the one responsible for these documents, for declassifying these documents, except he didn't. So what else is going on there? Trump also wrote, Carl Rove was, as usual, wrong when he stated that then-VP Biden's highly confidential papers, which were in his office for many years, were in any way similar to the Secret Service guarded and otherwise very secure Mar-a-Lago papers. Biden was not then-president and had no power to declassify and came under the very tough Federal Records Act. I come under the much more generous Presidential Records Act was having productive discussions with radical left Nara and did everything right. A giant scam. And of course, that's exactly what we have seen since the Mar-a-Lago raid. It was and is a giant scam. They pretended he was giving nuclear codes to adversarial nations. That's what was in those documents. The Washington Post tried reporting that. All of those stories failed. Remember when he was flushing things down the toilet? Maggie Haberman with her little picture of toilet papers? Nothing came of all that, did it? Of course not. Biden and Trump's classified documents involve two entirely different scenarios, says The Hill. The documents discovered in Biden's office had never been sought or requested by the National Archives or any other governmental entity. Oh, really? So how did that go? Did they not know the documents existed? Did they not know where the documents were located? Because either of those excuses would take the National Archives role out of it. That doesn't actually provide the defense that the writer from The Hill, James D. Zirin, thinks it gives. And they bring this up because the media is trying to spin the situation as Donald Trump was obstructing justice or an investigation or something because the National Archives had asked him for documents, except he was working with the National Archives and his lawyers were as well. And everyone was cooperating the entire time. You can see them running cover. This was not true of the Mar-a-Lago documents. Trump attorney Christina Bob signed an affidavit asserting, among other things, that, quote, any and all responsive documents accompany this certification. And of course, if you are the Hill, you can't trust anything that Donald Trump's attorneys will say or even sign to. They must be lying. Christina Bob was actually part of the conspiracy with Donald Trump to hide these documents from the National Archives. That's how important these documents were. Joe Biden's were just like locked in a closet at a Chinese funded think tank for years and years and no one ever knew about them, but he wasn't trying to hide anything. In other words, all the documents with classification markings had been turned over. That statement was false. Actually, that's not what makes the statement false. And you can't just use in other words, when comparing your opinion to what was written in a signed affidavit, you actually have to use those words. That's how the law works. Responsive documents does not necessarily mean any document that had a classification marking because documents that have classification markings and are then declassified are still declassified regardless of their markings. 
That's the point. And apparently that doesn't matter to the media at all. Trump eventually gave 15 boxes of documents back to the archives. After serving a subpoena and executing a search warrant, prosecutors found significantly more documents, the existence of which had been concealed. The cover-up proves malicious intent. If it had been an honest mistake on Trump's part, he would have returned all the documents as soon as the government demanded them. The Justice Department, DOJ, ordinarily requires a plus factor like obstruction before indicting these cases. If Trump had done what Biden did, there would not have been an investigation. It looks like DOJ is not backing down from its investigation into Trump's retention of classified documents, nor should it. Let's compare what's involved in each case. Quality of documents. Trump, 325 documents, including 100 plus secret, 60 top secret from the cache of documents he knew he had and willfully withheld. Now, is that correct? No one really knows. They are just assuming that prior fake news reports are true, even though we know that the fake news has done terrible reporting on this. Biden, 10 documents. Some said to be top secret, a handful of documents that appeared to have been inadvertently left behind. So on Biden's side, it was a mistake. On Trump's side, it was on purpose. And then he tried to obstruct it. Sounds just like the Mueller investigation. Donald Trump always doing the obstructing. And it's funny because in that little quality of documents section, they're mostly focused on the quantity of documents, which is different. The Biden papers were said to be stored in a locked closet. The Mar-a-Lago classified documents were found in 12 boxes piled in a storage room, as well as in Trump's office. Classification markings. Biden's papers consisted of 10 classified documents, including U.S. intelligence memos and briefing materials that covered topics including Ukraine, Iran, and the United Kingdom, according to a source familiar with the matter. We do not know yet what was the level of classification? Trump's materials contain over 100 documents with classification markings comprising 700 pages. Some of Trump's documents contained the highest levels of classification, including special access program materials that Donald Trump nonetheless had the power to declassify. And he did declassify them, which makes them declassified documents. And Joe Biden's documents are still highly classified documents. And again, of course, it's all about the numbers. The Washington Post reported that some of those documents describe the nuclear capability of a foreign government's military, along with top secret U.S. operations shared with only a select few government officials. No nuclear related content was said to be in Biden's papers, at least as far as we know now. And we do not know the level of classification. So again, assuming that the fake news stories are true. Chain of custody. Recovered papers were not in Biden's continuous possession. Trump's documents were in his continuous possession. You got that? So the fact that Biden didn't have them in a secure location guarded by Secret Service is actually a plus for Joe Biden. Cooperation. Biden's lawyers found the documents and alerted the National Archives. Trump resisted subpoena and lied that production was complete. Trump is under investigation for obstruction of justice. It violates the Espionage Act to willfully retain sensitive national defense information and, quote, fail to deliver it on demand to the officer or employee of the United States entitled to receive it. Trump clearly did that. There's no suggestion Biden did. 
We know that Trump likes to defend himself from allegations of serious criminal activity by counterattacking. But it is no defense to allege that Biden did it, too, and got away with it. In his stirring speech before Congress the other day, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries exhorted the country to choose, quote, maturity over Mar-a-Lago and substance over slander. You see, he did that letter thing. That's what caused it to go viral. Oh, what a brilliant speech Hakeem Jeffries made. Does Biden's apparent mistake exonerate Trump? The choice is yours. So far as we know now, the glove doesn't fit. The comparison is apples and oranges. James D. Zirin is a former federal prosecutor in the Southern District of New York. So that's how you know he knows exactly what he's talking about and would never, never, ever, ever lie. So let's go back to the beginning, to the Mar-a-Lago raid and to my friend Kyle, Just Humans, writing on the raid and his projection of what we might see in the future. That turned out to be accurate. What you are seeing is an exact replay of a story you saw five months ago with the roles reversed. And rather than being a new get Trump narrative by the mainstream media and our intelligence organizations, all the mouthpieces of the regime, what we see is a litany of excuses and explanations for why the thing that Joe Biden really did do is not only not a problem at all. In fact, how unproblematic it is proves how problematic it was what Donald Trump did. The same stories come back around over and over and over again. The characters are changed. Sometimes the meaning reverses. But we have seen this pattern repeat throughout Trump's presidency and not once have they gotten Trump with their get Trump initiatives every time. They go after him for something they've done. And before we go on to another example of stories repeating, let's stick with some document stuff for just a second. This is a letter from Ezra Cohen to the Honorable Joseph R. Biden from the Public Interest Declassification Board. This is dated January 6th, 2023. Dear President Biden. On behalf of the Public Interest Declassification Board, I am writing to express our support for the public release of records on December 15th, 2022, by the National Archives and Records Administration, pursuant to your memorandum on certifications regarding disclosure of information in certain records related to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. This action is consistent with the board's letter of September 27th, 2021, recommending that you limit any further certifications for the postponement of public disclosures under the John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act, the JFK Act, to the absolute minimum. The board applauds your stipulation in that memorandum that the continued postponement of any release of JFK Act records beyond June 30th, 2023, quote, shall be limited to the absolute minimum under the statutory standard, end quote. Although NARA reports that the most recent release of JFK Act records amounts to 13,173 documents, 515 documents remain withheld in full and another 2,545 withheld in part. To the extent it appears 
that there will continue to be classified records consistent with the statutory standard in the coming months, the PIDB will conduct a review of a sample of the remaining classified records to better understand why they remain classified pursuant to the criteria you established in your memorandum. We support your deadlines for the review of these documents. The board is encouraged that section seven of your memorandum further requires agencies reviewing the remaining JFK Act records certified for postponed release to prepare, quote, transparency plans for the National Declassification Center at NARA, quote, to ensure that information would continue to be disclosed over time as the identified harm associated with release of the information dissipates, end quote. The requirement that these transparency plans will detail, quote, event-based or circumstance-based conditions that will trigger the public disclosure of currently postponed information, end quote, by the NDC at NARA represents an important step forward for the release of JFK Act records. So basically, they want a reason. They want to review and determine the reason why these 515 documents remain withheld, and another 2,545 remain withheld in part. They want to understand the events-based or circumstance-based conditions that would finally trigger the public disclosure of these documents. These requirements also set an example of standards that should be consistently applied to promote transparency across the federal government. As you consider reforms to the classification system, transparency plans should become institutionalized for all newly created categories of classified information to lessen future resource intensive difficulties that have materialized with the JFK Act records. The board continues to be concerned that the expansion of the national security community has not been adequately matched with concurrent resourcing of the records management system. This growing imbalance threatens a unique strength of the American system, the assumption that all acts of the government will ultimately be subject to public scrutiny. And again, we're discussing documents about an event that occurred over 59 years ago now. As authorized to promote the fullest possible public access to historically significant government records under the public Interest Declassification Act of 2000 and consistent with the letter and spirit of the JFK Act, the board continues to support your initiatives to facilitate the public disclosure of the JFK Act records that remain withheld in full or in part. Your deadlines, procedures, and standards for reviewing these records must be implemented to, at long last, advance government transparency by providing the fullest public access to government information about this tragic chapter in our nation's history. So we have seen over and over and over again throughout our long history examples of government organizations not wanting to disclose records to the American public. The JFK records are the most famous example of that, but we just saw our Public health agencies like the FDA attempt to hold Pfizer's documents, the documents they considered for 75 years. Apparently, they believe that they have the right to hide information from the American public for as long as they want, so long as they can present some justification or even just claim that we just simply can't allow you all to see these documents right now. The situation is just too important. 
Now, the Joe Biden document situation interests me in another way. Donald Trump is quite clearly the only non-regime president that we have had since Ronald Reagan, or so it would seem, and before him, John F. Kennedy. But let's just focus on Reagan. First, we had George H.W. Bush, who we know was former director of the CIA. And now we know that the CIA was involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And after George H.W. Bush, we got Bill Clinton. And I don't think we need to say all that much about the Clintons. Then we got George W. Bush, who naturally would have all the same justifications as his father for not wanting the JFK files out in the public. And then we got a literal creation of the machine, Barack Hussein Obama, to be president. And he is as regime as it could ever get. So he's not going to want them out there either. Now, keep the JFK records in the back of your mind. I am not specifically addressing them in what I'm about to say. But let's imagine for a second that there were certain classified top secret documents that were watched over for a few years or maybe many years in the case of the JFK documents. And the people who had guarded these documents so carefully over all these many years realized that someone who was not part of the regime was about to step into office with the ability to examine these documents, declassify these documents, and show these documents to the public. In that case, what might you do? Well, it seems you might take those documents and try to store them, let's say, off-site for a few years so that the non-regime president and his administration could not get their grubby hands on them. Barack Obama took something like 33 million documents with him to Chicago. What's in those? What's in Joe Biden's Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement? And why did he remove them before Trump got into office? I guess it'll just remain a mystery. Now let's discuss a story we've already seen playing out again somewhere else. And Let's start here with this Rolling Stone article from Monday that incorporates the other story. The headline is Musk fired Brazil Twitter's election misinfo moderation team. On Sunday, Brazilian supporters of former president Jair Bolsonaro stormed the presidential palace, the country's seat of Congress and various other federal buildings. The scenes which echoed the January 6th riot in the United States Capitol almost exactly two years ago, shared a similar motivation, claims of a stolen election. Since Bolsonaro's October loss to former president Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, Brazil's right-wing factions have taken a leaf out of Donald Trump's playbook and baselessly claimed foul play and election fraud. Those claims have proliferated on social media platforms like Twitter, where Elon Musk's acquisition may have added fuel to the fire that burned over into a riot in Brasilia. Now let's pause for a second. Claims of a stolen election in the United States on November 3rd, 2020 are not baseless. In fact, they are overwhelmingly evidenced to the point of being irrefutable. It is also blatantly obvious for anyone who cares to look. Now, in Brazil, 
the election was similarly fraudulent. The results were impossible on their face. We knew the system. We knew what the system would produce and the system produced the expected results. A 51-49 Lula win. Now, since then, the military who is tasked with the responsibility of auditing those elections has said, it looks like there are some problems here, but what we need is the machines and what we need is the source code. And they've been told they can't have those things. So the military tasked with auditing the elections is unable currently to audit those elections, or at least they are being prevented from auditing those elections in the way they are supposed to be enabled to audit those elections. You might think they probably have that information regardless, but we shall see. In neither case are the claims baseless. In fact, the opposite is true. Following the completion of the purchase, Musk fired huge swaths of both Twitter's domestic and international staff, including, as reported by the Washington Post, the majority of the company's Brazilian employees. According to the Post, any and all employees charged with moderating content for incitement of violence and misinformation had been fired by early November, leaving behind only a handful of salespeople. The takeover has since coincided with an engagement boom for Brazilian right-wing accounts on the platform. Now, isn't that an incredible admission? The censorship, the limitations were suppressed, the moderation, as they call it. And what followed was a boom of right-wing content. They are admitting that what was censored was one side's political opinion. And remember, Far right to them means anything right of communism. They want full on totalitarian state control. You might think that's hyperbolic and dramatic, but tell me what part of their agenda doesn't lead directly to that. You can read the agenda. You can read the 2030 agenda. You can understand global governance and its aims. You can understand state capitalism like the Chinese Communist Party has or stakeholder capitalism as it's called, at the World Economic Forum. That is what we are seeing around the world. The combining of state and corporate power in order to consolidate all of the power and the wealth under the corporate partnered government. That is literally the definition of fascism. And the admission here clearly is that it was done to suppress the political opinions of one side. Anyone is far right to these people. In fact, I am far right now. I got called a far right activist by Mediaite and Business Insider, and I giggled and celebrated like you wouldn't believe. That, to me, is hysterical. But hey, it feels like I was kind of promoted. Bolsonaro has long been a fan of Musk. In May of last year, he appeared next to Musk at a meeting touting a partnership between Brazil's government and Starlink, calling the Tesla founder's potential takeover of Twitter a breath of hope from a legend of freedom. Well, that's interesting. Brazil, Bolsonaro, they're bad for partnering with Musk and Starlink, but Musk is providing the Starlink for Ukraine, and that, we're told, is good, so How are we supposed to take this? It's so confusing in the false reality. Nothing entirely makes sense. 
And of course it doesn't because the false reality and the central narrative within it are not required to make sense at all. They are only required to make people believe the thing that benefits the regime at any given time. Throughout his presidency, Bolsonaro has raised the specter of election fraud, relying heavily on unfounded claims that voting machines could be rigged or tampered with, and that election officials were able to manipulate vote tallies at will. His October defeat prompted a spike in narratives of election fraud and calls for a coup against Lula on Twitter and across other social media platforms, according to an analysis by DFR Lab. And I am sure that DFR Lab's analyses can always be totally trusted. And this article goes on and on with a bunch more details about the Twitter situation, but I'm going to jump down toward the bottom. The connection between the American and Brazilian right then could not be more clear. English language hashtags used to promote the conspiracy, including hashtag Brazilian spring and hashtag Brazil was stolen, have become ubiquitous throughout the protest movement. Protesters held up English language banners over Brasilia, stating, we want the source code, a reference to voting machine conspiracies except they're not conspiracies. The military asked for the source code and is not being given it. The voting machine companies protected the source code here and they're protecting it there. Why is that? Oh, it's proprietary information telling you the source code will make it easier to hack these systems that are already hackable. American far-right figures involved in the planning of the events of January 6th, 2021 seized on the discontent from Bolsonaro's supporters to foment another attempted coup, this time on an international scale. Former Trump advisor Steve Bannon heavily boosted claims of electoral fraud regarding Brazil's election, dedicating multiple episodes of his radio show to claims of Brazilian election fraud and writing on the social media website Getter that Lula stole the election. Brazilians know this. Fox host Tucker Carlson used his show, to help legitimize claims of election fraud and censorship. As the Capitol was stormed on Sunday, January 6th rally organizer Ali Alexander called on the rioters in Brasilia to do whatever is necessary. Bannon cheered the rioters as Brazilian freedom fighters. Now, Ali Alexander doesn't matter, but Steve Bannon does and Tucker Carlson does. This writer just claimed that Tucker Carlson was legitimizing claims of censorship. Well, the Rolling Stone writer just also admitted that Twitter was censoring the right in Brazil. That claim is 100% true, and the writer already knows it. But who cares about that? The point here is, is that Donald Trump and Steve Bannon and Tucker Carlson are responsible for a very violent insurrection in Brazil. And let's just finish off with the rest of these details. Bolsonaro absconded. He absconded. He didn't just travel to Florida. He absconded in the aftermath of the election, where he is likely insulated from the fallout of his supporters actions and is accessible to American allies. Several American politicians, including representatives Joaquin Castro, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar, have called for Bolsonaro to be extradited or returned to Brazil. Brazilian authorities have arrested more than a thousand protesters in the aftermath of the riots. Images of the destruction, vandalism and violence perpetrated by the rioters have circulated online. In a statement that felt like the embodiment of too little too late, Musk expressed his hope that, quote, the people of Brazil are able to resolve matters peacefully. 
So there was a very violent insurrection in Brazil that brought to mind many of the images we saw on January 6th, 2021, during the very violent insurrection in the United States. It was essentially a carbon copy. We had agent provocateurs there. We had police on scene doing absolutely nothing. We had a pipe bomber with a backpack who was taken down and subdued by Brazilian patriots. And we even had the Brazilian version of the QAnon shaman. You know, the guy with the Viking horns and the face paint. And it's just so on the nose. Our media here is using this Brazilian example to say, look, this is what happens when you deny elections, just like it happened here. The very same thing. It's all the very same people. They're all very bad. And this is never going to stop unless we censor and imprison anyone who even mentions that our elections might be stolen, even though it's become obvious to virtually the entire country that they are. And it's become obvious to virtually the entire country that the narrative we were told about January 6th, 2021, and the very violent insurrection was completely and totally false. Now, the same media telling us this story about the Brazilian election has failed to broadcast anything about the 90 plus days of Brazil's protests, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in the streets all over Brazil protesting against the election of Lula, a criminal who was let out of prison to run for president, like Biden, a career political criminal and someone who is fully compromised by and fully owned by the Chinese Communist Party and the global regime. And why the agent provocateurs, why this overt display of violence and destruction well, because that allows the illegitimate state to exert more illegitimate power, more state violence to subdue the uprising. And that's exactly what we saw here. Now, there are some interesting twists here because Donald Trump was president at the time of the very violent insurrection and Bolsonaro has already stepped down. And that's interesting because they are claiming that Bolsonaro is running a coup. But Bolsonaro is in Florida and there is video of him wandering around a Florida grocery store and eating fried chicken with the food hanging out of his mouth. He doesn't seem like he's running a coup. In fact, on Monday, he was hospitalized. So can a guy who's just casually walking around a grocery store and then hospitalized really be running a coup? Doesn't seem possible. And of course, these Images are out there. These images are out there with the intent to go viral because they communicate that message clearly to anyone who sees them, much like the Marjorie Taylor Greene picture with the phone in her hand with the DT on the face of her phone that says this was Trump's call. Everyone can see it. Similarly, everyone can see the parallels here. Everyone can see that Bolsonaro is very likely not running a coup right now. But the important takeaway here is that they do run the same stories over and over and over and over again, because that's what the playbook calls for. This is what the color revolution playbook is. They create these massive situations so they can have a massive response and change the way people live. That's what they did during COVID as well, for the record. 
But these particular events have a history in the playbook as well. Going back to the Reichstag fire in Germany, used for the same purpose. Going back for the Maidan Square massacre in Ukraine in 2014, used for the exact same purpose. And then, of course, we have the very violent insurrection here, and we have very violent insurrection part two in Brazil. The same playbook is run over and over and over again at different times in different places around the world. It is cyclical. And every time it comes around, they seize further power and infiltrate the government further. You can think about the national security response to 9-11, the propping up of the Department of Homeland Security and the Patriot Act. And when you see the playbook come around again, you can not only learn about what's happening now from what we saw in the past, you can learn about what happened in the past from what we are seeing now. We can see how Brazil's situation looks from the outside, but how did our very violent insurrection look from the outside to other countries around the world? Did they see our very violent insurrection the way people in the U.S. saw it? It's doubtful. And when you see the levels of similarities, you have to recognize that in part, at least, these things are staged. They are creating certain images for the world to see. So the world will react in certain ways. They are guiding the narrative to create your emotional response and thereby manufacture your consent. And when you realize part of it is fake, you have to ask yourself how much of this is fake. And if part of it is fake, how am I supposed to feel about the parts I know are fake? Well, everything should be looked at in multiple ways. Who does it help? What is going to be the final result of this action? How will this play out? What does this say about the future? What does this say about the past? But also just recognize that this is just a page of the playbook happening over again. And the thing is, if the playbook is out there and we can see it, certainly other people can see the playbook. Other people know the playbook. And if you know the playbook and you're not the sort of person who's involved in promoting that playbook and helping them with their agenda, then you can also know how to prepare responses based on what they are going to do and what they are going to attempt. This is the difference when the eyes of the world are on these events. Not only can't you trick people, not only can't you manufacture the consent you're trying to manufacture, you actually end up teaching people about all the places you've lied in the past. And people begin to understand and reinterpret the past based on what they see in reality right now. Think about all the times you have tried to deny elements of the regime's agenda, like the depopulation element, for instance. People sounded like crackpots 10 years ago, talking about how the most powerful people in the world wanted to depopulate the earth. But that doesn't seem like a conspiracy theory anymore. They come out and they say it, and we have seen them try to implement it. It was one thing when we could reinterpret their words in other ways and not attach them to action that we understood to be real in the real world. But now that's all gone. We know that their words 
are significant. We know that they are describing the system they are implementing. They're telling us the results of what that system will produce. And then we see the system in process in the world. And so we believe something different about the past. We look back and say, oh yeah, they were serious back then. What else are they serious about? Oh, it's the whole thing. Well, we'd better have some sort of response. Well, hey, thank goodness. It's a playbook. It's a playbook people have seen before. And there is a response. And you're also seeing the response if only you are aware enough and insightful enough and open-minded enough to understand what it is you're being shown. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.CancelCouture.com. And you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 
It's hell!